Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 143. I'm your host, Evan Minto, and with me today is a guest. It's his first time on a mainline Annie Gamers Podcast. Welcome to Vinny Avarello, co-host of All Geese Considered. Hi, guys, folks. Vinny is a fellow Jersey boy. We have been hanging out at uh, Jersey Anime Cons for, uh, I don't even know, many, many years. <laughs> I would say probably at least 10 in the like or beginning at least about 10 years ago if not longer but also Vinny is like me in that he no longer lives in new jersey <laughs> yeah we both uh, left the uh, state for at least a little bit we'll see if i get back there someday yeah once once all of this is over in the year 2024 just pushing my estimate out by multiple years uh Vinny, you're also uh very happy to uh to let everybody know you are also an anti gamers patron supporting this lovely podcast here I like good content. See see that, folks? He likes good content. Be like Vinny. Have good taste. And some disposable income. And some dis- and disposable income. Subscribe at patreon.com slash antigamers. Uh, so, Vinny, Vinny you're, you're on the show today because you requested a review of something, which I, I don't actually often get people doing that, which is cool. It makes my life a little easier in terms of scheduling. So you were just like, Evan, I want to come on your show and talk about one of two movies and the one i was hoping for does is not available yet so hopefully that's coming soon yeah so we're we're gonna be talking in a little bit about a an osamu tezuka movie one million year trip bander book which is on retro crush and uh yeah it was uh we had we had to pick between that and marine express and uh well marine express isn't available yet so we're we're doing bander book today uh yeah so i'm pretty excited about that because i have not talked about i haven't really talked a lot about about a lot of like old anime on the show in a while um and certainly i don't even know it's been uh way too many years since i've talked about anything tezuka related on here there hasn't i mean i think tezuka's kind of fallen away as far as like fan popularity and prominence i think like you had that vertical era well the thing is a lot of the stuff just started getting licensed and then there was like not that much left especially there was the whole like dmp thing where they got like that weird just license to put out everything and we kind of got like too much of it, right? And it's just like, okay, all right, we can just read every Tezuka thing ever now, I guess. Not really, but like a lot of it, right? A lot of the big names, a lot of the titles that people were asking for. Well, then there were two things that one, DMP did everything very poorly. And they kind of just fire hosed, released a lot of it by the end. Because like, early on, it was like one at a time, slowly doing it. And they kind of kept, they didn't know what they were doing by the end. They just kept throwing manga at you. And Did they, they might have put out vampires and i never even kept track of it i know they put out like alabaster and some other stuff towards the end they they threw so many in but i don't remember what they were because it would be like the second or third stretch goal of a kickstarter <laughs> right <laughs> the kickstarter oh the dmp tezuka kickstarter era i'm uh yeah that real tezuka heads will remember what five years ago it wasn't even that long ago i think that was the end of it when they did tezuka work they had the biggest one at the end that was a complete disaster they canceled like two weeks in or something because it was the everything kickstarter we'll we'll talk a little bit more about who tezuka is we keep saying his name and some of our listeners because i never talk about him on here might not really know uh i mean people probably know the name but not a ton of details we'll get into that when we talk about Banderbook. so we do have a quick bit of news before we get into things that is kind of tangentially related because we're talking about an old anime for the review today and uh, this is some news about some old anime. Uh, there is a new... You may have heard about this. <laughs> There's a new uh, YouTube channel that just recently launched called Analog. 
unfortunately if you heard about it it might have been because uh of uh, i don't even know which youtuber did it but some some like stupid youtuber tried to turn this thing into like a controversy about like japan doesn't like crunchyroll and funimation and so they're they're fighting back uh that is not what's going on this is this kind of it's like a it looks like it's a actually a u.s based company is involved in this thing but it's basically a collaboration with a bunch of japanese uh studios and publishers and things to release their retro anime that is like um kind of not like not otaku stuff it's kind of like prestige things for like for kids and stuff right so like they have uh blackjack and future boy conan like things that are are kind of famous in japan might be famous in asia and other territories but are not like gonna get watched by your you know anime con going people except for us the like retro anime maniac people <laughs> it's people like us who are gonna sign up for the race you know future boy conan doesn't excite anyone else at this point but but i will say it's probably that japan thinks they're gonna sell these things to like kids in in like other countries i mean maybe i maybe what this sounds like is maybe this is the like the thing we've always wanted of like all this stuff is just sitting in vault somewhere that isn't going to get released by anyone because there's no real market for it to just dump it on youtube get a little bit of monetization off of it and something that's weirdly well maybe then like do a good home video restoration or something yeah, so I, th- I I would not expect home video to come out of this, to be honest. But uh, I, that's that's the hope is that it's just stuff that they're not making money off of overseas, and they're just like, ah, what the heck? We'll just throw it up there, like you know, make a little maybe ad money or something, right? Uh, instead of just letting it sit there in the vault. So yeah, that's what uh, that's what would be would be nice from this. I think it's probably a little more likely that you know if they're being smart at all that there's a there's probably an angle here of like you know, especially in China and, and other like Asian territories where there might be like some of these things might actually be popular. And so this might be a, a play to get like some of those folks, right? Like things like Doraemon is like insanely, but I don't think Doraemon's on here, but like Doraemon is insanely popular in Asia, right? There's these like franchises that never really made it to the West, at least not in any significant way, but are like very popular in other territories. Some of us have made it to, like, Europe a lot. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, some stuff made it to South America, right? Uh, right now, it's not in the U.S., though. It's currently in Japan and China, I think. Um, yeah. Or, no, it's only available in Japan. They got it. I misread it. It's only available in Japan, but they intend to provide subtitle content in English and Chinese. They've got an ambitious timeline of 3,000 titles in the next two years. Yeah. I have a feeling that's not going to happen, but uh, I hope you pull it off. Uh <laughs> Yeah, they got a bunch of cool, cool companies involved, you know, Nippon Animation, uh, Toei, Tezuka Productions, who we'll be talking about, um, Shugaku Shueisha, Shin-A, Kodansha, like all, most of the big players are involved in some form. Um, so I'm pretty, pretty excited if this stuff actually comes out to be able to watch some of these older titles. Um, I think Mike Tool on Twitter mentioned like Heidi was, would be the sort of thing we'd expect to, to get from this. And uh, man... I would love to watch Heidi not through like questionable means. <laughs> I would love to watch a legal stream of Heidi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they just, if if they just got the World Masterpiece Theater stuff, that would be enough. To- Give me the World Masterpiece Theater YouTube channel, please. <laughs> Again, we are the two people who care about this who aren't Dave Merrill, but this is something that like we would care about because these are the things that you know people who worked on those have gone to do much bigger, grander things. Oh yeah, I mean Heidi is like. 
Takahata and Miyazaki, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Future by Conan, yeah, and they're pushing Future by Conan as one of their four titles on their logo. Well, now that it's been featured in Azoken, everybody knows it. That would be the best result of the 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that yeah, the the best result of 2020 is it's like what happened with uh like JoJo's and Devilman. Like the the next big hit that all the kids are memeing on. It's uh yeah, it's Future Boy Conan. I mean, we still have got like a Firebird release and that's been memed for, you know, 5 years now. To quickly address the stupid controversy about this thing, no, this is like absolutely not these companies saying we can distribute our anime better because they are just to like make this really clear. They're not distributing the anime that goes on Crunchyroll and Funimation and these other sites. Like they're they're, they're distributing the stuff that don't make it to Crunchyroll and Funimation, right? Like they they do pretty well with overseas streaming from these U.S. companies, and uh, they don't give a shit uh, about like whatever this all these like incel dorks are yelling about. Like oh, Crunchyroll is uh, too sjw focused or whatever like these japanese publishers do not care one way or another like i just don't think i don't think they would care if crunchyroll like went the opposite direction either they just they're just like oh as long as you're paying us money it's fine i've never heard any sort of japanese producer particularly that at any point do they care about the artistic value of anything they were yeah, exactly <laughs> or i mean they they might care about like some of the marketing details of like the brand management side of like how a how a certain series is handled but like i'm telling you they just they are not concerned about like the politics of it <laughs> that's that is what these like 4chan people are yelling about <laughs> They exclusively care that the character has the right number of hair points, but but you can put the like the most vile swears and like change names and everything else underneath that picture. But as long as the picture is correct, they got to make sure. And this is a real one that I have dealt with in in my uh, job before. They they want to make sure that you don't crop Naruto's hair spikes out. You need to show all of the hair spikes at all times. Yeah, that is the that is the most they will complain about because you know you've, you've had enough interviews. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's that's that. Yeah, hope hopefully this actually happens. I'm not holding my breath though. Yeah, me neither. Just uh, put put your money on on Japan somehow screwing this up. I mean, I've I've survived Daisuke. I've survived Anime Souls, <laughs> Neon Alley, Toei streaming anything. We're gonna do another Q segment. I did that with a guest last episode with Kyle. So Vinny, what have you been up to? Anime, manga, or games? So I'm well in the games track. Um, I'm a big fan of tabletop board games, but because I can't see other people, it is hard to play a board game in front of with other people right now. So I found ways to do it online, including a website called Board Game Arena, where they've pretty much all legit and above board. Heh, above board, you say? Yeah, hey, yeah. So you're all above the board. But this game that I've been meaning to play called Teotihuacan, The City of Gods. And it's, you essentially have your like, six of your, or four workers. I only played it once, so, but I want to play it again. And you're moving them around, so they're collecting your resources. But as you do it, the workers get their their dice, so their six-sided dice. And as you walk, walk them around the board, the pips on them, you'll get more pips on the die. And at a certain point, they will, like, level up and ascend to, to godhood or die or whatever. I don't quite know the theme. You're building, also, you're, you're building this elaborate pyramid in the middle because it's an Aztec-themed, I want to say Aztec-themed game. I might be wrong. Which is exciting because you don't get too many board... A lot of board games, you think, especially within the Euro world, tend to be like trading in the Mediterranean or these sort of very Eurocentric and or sort of colonialist themes. But this one is nice because you're playing sort of pre in pre-Columbian Mesoamerica, which is always 
Yeah, it's always nice. It's always nice to see these other places you could be. This reminds me of um, what was always so frustrating to me about the Assassin's Creed series, right? Which is, and lots of people have complained about this that like they, you know, they started in the Middle East, which was cool. And then, you know, my brain and everybody else's brain start running. We're like, oh, my God. Oh, if you made this franchise, you could put it in, like, ancient China. Like, there's so many different places. But they just kept doing, like, places with white people. And it kept getting whiter, it felt like. I didn't play them, but so you're sort of seeing it. It was like, okay, the Renaissance, you can do a lot. There's a lot of... Yeah, that's interesting. It's an interesting time period. But, like, we can also do things that aren't white people. <laughs> But again, there's enough diversity you can play within the in like Renaissance Italy because there's a lot, enough cultural confluence there. But it seems that you kind of just move towards what like America was the last one or something. I don't know. No, they well they made a they made a bunch. I mean, they've done ones in America, uh, which like they got close to doing an interesting thing with that, where it's like a a half Native American character, but like they wouldn't commit to just like full on you know Native American character. Uh, and they actually made one that was, I, I never played the, I think it was a PSP game. Like the premise was very cool, but of course it was like a side story game because uh, I mean, there was just news that came out about this, right? About, about Ubisoft execs being like, uh, really obnoxious about trying to prevent like female main characters and stuff. Um, and they, uh, th th it was, what was, I forget the name of the game. Someone will remember it, but it was, a uh, it was a, you played as like a, female escaped slave and it's like yeah that's cool as hell and you're an assassin you're like killing slave masters and stuff but like no of course that couldn't be like a main game <laughs> that, that should be a main game that sounds like, like that, that that premise sounds way cooler than white guy murdering other white people exactly yeah 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 <laughs> anyway uh this sounds cool yeah we we've been talking about a bunch of like between this episode and last episode it's a lot of board games because we talked about a uh, virtual Mahjong game that Kyle was playing last time. I've heard a lot of people playing that. And I, Mahjong is one of those ones that, I guess it's on the Switch, I don't have one, so I haven't been able to play that. But I have played Koi Koi Online, which is a very simple card game. But you probably only know it from Summer Wars. Or mostly know it from Summer Wars. I don't even remember that from Summer Wars, but it's been a while since I watched that. I mean, I was yelling the phrase Koi Koi a lot the week after I played it. At least in my head. Yeah, oh, actually, wait, I think I misheard you, because I, it's, it's, I was thinking, I think I heard some different word there, because it's, it's Koi like the fish, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard of that. It's like a Japanese card game, yeah. Yeah, that's available online. It's a decent, fun little two-player game, like, set-making. But it's hard to describe, because it's in, like, all these old set-making games have very distinct rules of, you need these three cards to make this set, and things like that. As for me, uh, I'm watching some anime may uh the show that everybody is talking about right now which is great pretender just launched on netflix i have not actually sat down and finished it yet because i'm bad at binge watching uh netflix wants you to binge watch and i just like don't do it uh, so i watched the first two episodes it's pretty cool i think a lot of people are much more into it than i am but also people probably binged it and i wonder if maybe um the later episodes kind of ramp it up even more uh, the first two episodes are pretty fun. It's about like con artists in LA. It has a very, um, it, it, it has a lot of, I think, influence from kind of like American film. Makes me think of things like Guy Ritchie movies and stuff. Uh, but I think the the part that that like was still not totally hooking me yet is just that it's like some of the, the kind of schemes that are going on don't feel, um, I guess I would say, neat enough. 
uh, in terms of like the the explanations that you get for them. I kind of expect in a, a show about like con artists and you know people who've got these like crazy schemes that they kind of like they kind of work out in this very smooth way where you're like ah there's the full explanation and I see how they pulled off this this weird you know scam that they've got. Um, but some of them just feel a little too convoluted when they try to explain them. And I'm like, this doesn't feel like clean enough for like the way I expect it in like a Hollywood movie and in, in a movie like Catch Me If You Can or something. I mean, that could lead to some nice payoff, though, if you if those things don't aren't really working out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to watching more. Uh, it's super stylish. I love the art style uh, has a, a great, um, great background artist whose name is currently escaping me. Uh, I think he's the founder of Studio Bamboo. Uh, he's, I think he did the background for, he's done a lot of stuff, but like, I think maybe one of the more relevant comparisons is uh, Eccentric Family. I think he's the background artist for that. Yeah, and it's, uh, I didn't realize this. Uh, I, I think I missed this when they got announced, but it's the same director as 91 Days. I think I remember hearing that, so that's exciting. Yeah, that was a cool show that I I have been meaning to go back and and actually finish. So yeah, uh, it, it's it's neat, and I'm definitely looking forward to watching the rest of it. Yeah, I saw the end theme to it when that got. Oh my god, the ending, the animation is so good, and I I I think I might have seen a news story about this before, but I had forgotten that they actually got the rights to the the song that I guess the show is named after, which is the Freddie Mercury song "Great Pretender." Yeah, like that alone, I get with a few people who aren't anime people because that is just a good clip. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, it's time for the main attraction. Our review for this episode is One Million Year Trip Bander Book. This is a 1978 anime TV special aired as part of the NTV Super Special, which I wasn't able to find a ton of details on, but it's mentioned in the Anime Encyclopedia. Uh, and it is a 24-hour block celebrating the uh, 25th anniversary of the network NTV, Nippon Television. Uh, so what I can kind of assume from, from you know, what, what I've been able to read about it is, is this was like a, a special block with a bunch of different, you know, TV specials and things. Um, and one of them was, was this uh, hour and a half long movie. Uh, the reason why this is a big deal uh, for for Nippon Television is because it was created by Osamu Tezuka, who is the creator of uh, Astro Boy, Blackjack, uh, Kimba the White Lion, aka Jungle Emperor Leo, a whole bunch of other very famous uh, properties, and the, the guy who is known as the God of Manga. He kind of uh popularized let's say i know there's always like a, a backlash of like tezuka is a fraud and didn't do anything but he was certainly a very popular artist who who helped popularize a lot of conventions that uh became kind of like the bedrock of the modern manga industry and also maybe most notably made the first full-length tv anime astro boy yeah, this special still running. The or the this like twenty four hour block still runs every year, and it's from what I can find, it's like done as a charity event, which may have some dodgy things attached to it for like some sort of peace initiatives and things like that. This was a, a special created like Tezuka did a lot of stuff on this. So he's credited as like a director, script, original story. So this is pretty clearly like coming from his mind. Uh, and animated by the folks at Tezuka Productions, which was his studio at the time. Uh, he had an earlier studio called Mushi Production that had was very poorly run, and uh, that's what created Astro Boy. And then uh, they went out of business shortly thereafter. 
And uh, one of the kind of interesting aspects of this, you mentioned that it, it you know, there's still the NTV super special. Uh, for a couple years after this, Tezuka Productions and Tezuka himself produced a bunch of uh, annual specials that that aired during that same uh, that same block. Uh, and I think my understanding is they are of um, varying quality. Uh, I've only seen one other one, which is we we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Marine Express. I think you've seen a couple other ones, or at least one more. I th- I've saw most of what they put up at Anime Souls. I'm hoping they put up the rest. I'd like to just... These should be available, but they're for people who are in the... You want to watch weird stuff that shouldn't necessarily be... You know, they're not, not, they're not the most prized possessions. Yeah, this is not... This is not going to be, like, blowing up Twitter. People aren't going to be like, Oh my god, check out these Osamu Tezuka NTV specials. <laughs> no, there was an era when that could have been the case, though. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh... Yeah, so we were kind of looking through the credits. Nobody like super, not a ton of super notable people on this. Uh, but but the one that that you pointed out, Vinny, is uh, Yuji Ono, the composer, uh, who also worked on some of these other NTV specials. But most importantly, he's the Loop on the Third composer. So that that's pretty cool. He's got some kind of kind of sick little little licks in this thing. The music is is good. It you, you can tell it's him. It sounds like that kind of that like jazzy sound, and it's not offensive like much of the specialists. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should get into that. I'll give a quick synopsis. Uh, th- but but let me tell you, it's tough. It's pretty tough to try to give a synopsis of <laughs> what this movie is about. Okay, uh, there's a terrorist attack on a spaceship. We don't really have a lot of context on like what era it is, but it's an era in which spaceships exist. And uh, these two parents are, are you know sort of stumbling through the ship, and they they place their infant son on an escape pod. And he escapes from the the wreck of this spaceship, and it blows up, and everybody dies. Uh, so he lands on this distant planet and gets raised by a race of shape shifting pacifist aliens, uh, who, uh, uh, as we first see in like the introductory scene, do things like uh, use magic rings on their nipples to transform into a horse. Uh, very disturbing scene. Uh, I I realize that I have been tricked by Vinny into uh into watching yet another furry anime in 2020 what is up I forgot this, this was, a, was, a, was how furry this one I knew some of these were <laughs> yeah I know because Tezuka was a bit of a furry <laughs> oh, he's definitely a furry like this is this is this is very anime like, this has the worst of anime tropes in it yeah uh so the the child gets raised by these aliens and they name him Bander but obviously he he kind of he can't transform he's he's a little different from them uh, but he lives this kind of peaceful life until it's disturbed by humans attacking the planet. And humans are known to this alien race as being like this evil race of warlike people. And then this is where the movie, like, that's all fine, right? This is like, okay, that makes sense. We're kind of, it's he's kind of like this inverted story where he is from Earth and the, the humans are the bad guys. And he's like maybe fighting for his new alien home, but trying to reconcile that with his origins. Uh, but this is where the movie is what, like 15 minutes in, uh, 20 minutes in maybe. And like, this is where the movie just loses the plot because then it's like he leaves to fight the earthlings, but also maybe go back to earth, but also to find his sister who has been taken. And from there, uh, basically what Bander is trying to do is almost different in every scene. <laughs> and he just takes like a tour of different 
alien planets and we meet all sorts of weird aliens some of whom don't really seem like aliens at all they seem like just things from other genres yeah we get aliens and then like they talk about peace at some point in every place he goes like we get we got one speech about like the the theme of the film which is like peace and reconciliation and not fighting with each other and they go to the next planet <laughs> yeah do it again <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it really comes off more as like uh, a bunch of excuses for Tezuka to show off kind of ideas for aliens and things that he had and kind of just like design ideas. There's really like like plot wise, there's not a ton of uh, a through line going through it. There's maybe a half hour plot in this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think like, you know, that that is one kind of cool thing about it is the way that it's like this tour of just the, these really bizarre kind of like surrealist uh, alien planets and races that he's come up with. And, and Tezuka was like extremely imaginative, right? I mean, he made like an, an incredible amount of manga and just seemed to always have like new story and world building ideas up his sleeve. And so, yeah, you kind of get like a cool, just a bunch of ideas from him, right? And like, just in general, if you just, it's like seeing a bunch of Tezuka sketches, which is pretty cool. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. I agree with that. That it's you've got a bunch of these cool ideas. I like, like every world looks cool. Has like these distinct things going on. I like the transforming alien it's to a point. I don't know why he decides that everything. The sister always has a very prominent breasts, no matter what form they're in. It's like very, very horny about the sister. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, I, I I should mention we are gonna spoil this because uh, it's not that good. And I mean, the good parts about it are not really things that are like spoilable. They're just, I mean, it's just like visual stuff. Um, and it's also really old. So you're kind of on your own. Uh, we're we're going to, there's like twists at the end of this, but they really don't matter that much. So we're going to spoil them. Uh, one of those is that Vinny is mentioning the, the sister. We should, maybe we should, I feel like leading with the sister is, is coming on strong here, but we should just talk about it. We got to get this out of the way. We're doing what the movie did though. The movie led with the sister. That's true. It's <laughs> so this is his adopted sister. Or he's the adopted brother or whatever, right? So it's the, the daughter of the, the parents who adopted him on this planet who are, I guess, the leaders, right? Like they're the, isn't she the, the queen? queen he's the king or something. Yeah. Uh, so what, what is what is her name? Mimuru is. I think sister. it's Mimuru. Yeah. So she's adopted, which means it's fine. Okay, everybody, don't ask any questions. Uh, so of course he, uh, you know, they fall in love with each other, uh, and she is both his sister and love interest. So that that part was <laughs> <is> not good. <laughs> That's that was not fun to watch. Didn't know it was wrong. Every family member was like, "No, that's wrong. Your siblings." Yeah, it kind of like tries to just be like yeah this is wrong and i was like oh maybe it'll kind of grapple with that no pretty much not at all um no, nobody really questions it uh, like other than them briefly before they say it's fine we're not blood related it's okay uh and then basically she inexplicably is in the form of like this little animal familiar for the entire movie or most of the movie and like bander doesn't realize it and it's like a big twist at the end that is very easy to see coming <laughs> I thought he recognized her pretty quickly, though. Well, that's what makes it funny, is he recognized her, and then she was like, no, I'm not her. And then he's like, oh, well, okay. And then he just forgets. This is the best part about, like, the plot not making sense. Is he, like, leaves the planet in the first place, and he's like, I'm, I gotta get my sister, who's also my girlfriend, right? And she's been kidnapped. And then he goes to, like, this western planet, and he finds her, or he finds this, like, shape-shifting alien that he thinks is her, and saves her. And then he's like, 
Mimaru, it's me. And she just like doesn't recognize him. He's like, oh, I guess it's not Mimaru. And then he just like, from there, I'm pretty sure he doesn't mention at all that he's like looking for his kidnapped sister. No, see, I, I must have missed that, like the that he was told it was Aang, because I just assumed that like he knew and she went with that form the rest of the movie. That makes as much as anything else in this plot. I don't think so, because I think I mean it's pretty fresh on my mind. I watched it last night. I'm pretty sure at the end of the movie, he reacts with surprise when she turns into Mimaru and he's like, Whoa, you were Mimaru. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on with that. I, it seemed like he wasn't like yeah I mean, maybe it's supposed to be that he kind of like thought it might have been her but then just sort of like was you know he's like oh whatever you don't want to turn back so it's fine uh but it doesn't really seem that way he's also he's totally like macking on that other princess and he keeps being confused about why the the little alien creature keeps like getting in the way which seems like well if you knew it was your sister slash girlfriend you would probably get why she was not into you hanging out with this girl in a romantic night by this fountain. Yeah, no, I think I, I, I think you're right that he doesn't... He knows, but then just accepts that it's not for unknown reasons. <laughs> and, and the best part is that he just stops looking for her. And like then it turns into a movie about like getting back to Earth or something, but I kept just being like, well, where's your sister, dude? Didn't you go looking for her at the beginning of the movie? <laughs> yeah, he's given up on that plot. He's found, he's found a new girlfriend. Yeah, that's right. That so that's also a part of it is that this is a movie about um about Bander being very hot to like every woman he meets and then also just kind of getting distracted and being like maybe I'll date this girl instead. I guess it's only two, but it just feels like he's it feels like too much for a character who had an extremely romantic like incest scene <laughs> at the beginning of the movie and then it's like uh no, actually, he's got this other girlfriend now. When is the first motivation? It shouldn't you shouldn't change as soon as you see another girl. <laughs> exactly, it makes him seem like kind of a piece of shit. I mean, he kind of is, and he kind of will join anyone who you know is nice to him or mean to him. That's actually another thing about this that that was strange to me, and and I, I gotta say, sometimes Tezuka stuff can be like this, but but I mean, I I have a high Tezuka tolerance. I'm a fan of a lot of his work, and. I've seen stuff that definitely flows better than this, but like there's just a real kind of confusing set of like motivations and who is friends with or enemies with who where characters kind of just like seem to be at each other's throats trying to kill each other and then they're best friends and it's not like totally explained. It feels like there are multiple blackjack characters. But we don't we don't get a transition between those states, you know? No. I, I, I'm convinced that blackjack is not... Is it, not the same blackjack at multiple points in this film. Oh my god! Okay, we've mentioned him, so we we actually for, we didn't mention this yet. First, that we have to establish what the star system is. Then we can talk about blackjack here. Uh, the the Tezuka star system uh, refers to a kind of like an internal system in Tezuka's works in which he treats his characters, especially his like most kind of like a certain set of characters of his, as actors in a like a troupe. Uh, this is very inspired by him growing up watching the Takarazuka Review, the all-female um, uh, theater troupe in uh, in Takarazuka, uh, the town where he grew up. So he kind of he reuses these characters, but as if they were actors. So they'll be in different roles uh, as opposed to being like the. They won't be the exact same character. They won't have any of the memories of their character. There's. It's not like a single universe. It's it's actors playing roles. Uh, but he does kind of like typecast them sometimes, right? So certain characters will kind of play the same type of character in different in different manga. So probably 
because this it was like such a big you know oh nippon tv got you know tezuka to make a special right it's like he at this point he's pretty well established it's 1978 his characters are very famous so these movies in general uh at least well at least marine express and Banderbook. i actually don't know a ton about like whether the other ones do this you'd know better than me uh are full of star system characters because it's like this kind of um it's like fan service right <laughs> different kind of fan service like just oh it's all your favorite stars are in this movie like especially having blackjack as sort of the antagonist anti-hero is definitely just fan service like like, like ban and hammag i feel like those are just always in any tezuka thing and sort of those similar roles right 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 but yeah, like so so what we're mentioning here is yeah, Blackjack is in this movie, Dr. Blackjack from the manga Blackjack. Uh one of Tezuka's most famous characters, probably up there with, you know, he's 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 like the big 5 or whatever, you know, your Astro Boy, Leo, Sapphire, um uh, whoever else. I mean, those are some of the big ones. <laughs> so this is one of the funniest things about Blackjack being in this, which is usually not the case with Star System characters, is that he is just dressed like Blackjack. Like usually he won't do that. Like he'll actually have them like dressed in appropriate clothing for the for the thing that they're in, you know. But like he's just wearing the Blackjack costume in space. It's like Blackjack with like a little bit of like military epaulets. Yeah, it's, it has like these little these little military things, these like pins on it. Uh, but otherwise, he just looks like regular Blackjack, and he's just sort of slotted in as, like you said, this anti-hero character. Um, and there's very... One of the things I don't like about this is that there's actually, like, very little playing around with the typecasting in the star system. Um, I mean, I, I guess Blackjack is kind of an anti-hero character, so that fits a little bit, but I, I kind of, like, would have wanted more, like more playing around with the idea of, of, you know, putting characters in, in these kind of ironic situations. Like, I don't know if, if like someone had to do surgery on the blackjack character or something, right? Like sometimes he would play with things in that way. Um, like I think there's a, the one I'm thinking of is there's like a blackjack chapter where Shunsaku Ban, who you mentioned, who's like a sort of usually plays a detective or other kind of adult authority figure like he plays a thief in a blackjack chapter, right? It's like this inversion of the character. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's that much going on here. It's just like, oh, blackjack, you know, you love blackjack, right? I put him in here. It, it feels like a walk on, like, like a sitcom. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was like, just stand there, clap for a little bit, and he'll can, and then he'll go. So who else? We got a couple people who show up in this. We have blackjack. You mentioned uh, Shunsakuban and Ham Egg. Uh, if anybody's seen Astro Boy, Ham Egg is the the owner of the circus that Astro Boy gets sold to. I read in the anime encyclopedia Astro Boy is in this in like a background role. I didn't notice him. I didn't see Astro Boy in it, but I watched it on a small monitor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shadaku from, um, or is that his name? I forget. I haven't actually read it, but it's the, the three-eyed one, the the kid with the, the, the third eye. I tend to call him three-eyed one in my mind. I don't think I go by Shadaku too often. So he's in this as a kind of like, you know, there's a lot of characters who show up for a, you know, a little segment of it and then disappear. So he plays this kind of like scientist character. Um, who else? Am I, am I, I feel like I'm missing a big one. I think I wrote him down in my notes. No, maybe I didn't. Anybody else you noticed? Did you notice any I, other? Those characters? are the ones that I caught. I'm trying to think of anybody else. Mimur didn't transform into anyone weird. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. Which could have been a fun, weird use of it. Bander is not a star system character, so he's like, uh, he's made up for this movie. 
I think most of what these will do is they'll have like the main character will be a new character, and then they'll have the side castes popping up by star, like star system characters. I think uh, Marine Express actually uses doesn't it use Rock as one of the main characters. That uses Rock, and he uses Astro Boy as a main character. Oh right, Astro Boy's yeah the main character. Yeah yeah yeah, but not as Astro Boy, right? Just as like a kid. Yeah, as a kid named Adam. Who is also a robot, but it's like a different character, and it plays that Astro Boy story a little bit. It's nice, <laughs> kind of confusing, but it's neat. I mean, I like the star system, and and he does he does sometimes does very cool kind of cross media things with it, where he's kind of like working with a character in different roles. Uh, not really the case here, though. It's mostly just fan service. Um, I think something I, I kind of like, just since we're talking about the star system, I, I kind of wanted to ask this earlier, but I forgot. Like, what is what what is what are what is your Tezuka experience? I mean, I think I kind of know, but like for the audience, and then like, what is what is my Tezuka experience? So I, you know, similar to Evan, I went uh, spent a lot of time in the Vertical booth at conventions <laughs> back in the heyday of back in the heyday of Vertical comics or vertic- Vertical books. Well, they're not the not the heyday. We we should call them what they are: the Ed Chavez days. Yeah, yeah, when Ed Chavez was, was king of Vertical, putting out Tezuka books, that I think was my main experience with him. So, and that was really pushing not the the biggest stuff, but sort of the the best stuff Tezuka. We got things like Adolf and Moo, and and I read a little bit of other things. I'd like to like, read Phoenix someday, but that's again, all digital. I'm not a great digital reader when it comes to comics. Um, I might just get that from the library. Like, but again, I went through Blackjack. I check out some of the anime stuff, the adaptations that they do of that work a lot. So I still need to watch what the the Dororo new anime, the new anime for that one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That was that was a pretty good show. Yeah, I've heard great. I've heard you know glowing things that, or good things about it from everyone. So I'm like, I would say I'm like Tezuka familiar, not necessarily a, a top tier expert. But you've watched more of the NTV specials than me, at least. Uh, I have, but that's only because I I think I was the only one who noticed them when they were anime souls. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I might have watched Marine Express on Anime Souls. I forget. I th- that must have been how I watched it, but I just didn't check out the other stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I similar, you know, I got into Tezuka through the um, through mostly the, the vertical releases. And uh, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. I, ha- I have not read even close to everything that's out in English um, because, again, like the DMP stuff, there's like this glut of Tezuka content. Uh, but yeah, I, I've gotten, you know, pretty deep in into Tezuka, wrote a bunch of articles about him. Uh, I've, let's see, yeah, read, you know, Ayako, Otakirihito, all that kind of stuff. Uh, read a, a fair amount of Astro Boy, uh, watched a couple different, like, anime versions of that, all of Blackjack. Uh, I haven't watched that much Tezuka anime, though, overall. And that, that's, I think, maybe the relevant thing here is, like, I, I really like his manga. Uh and I have not really watched much Tezuka anime that I was super into, and this is no exception. I think why I why I was drawn to these was because there was a DVD put out called like the Astonishing Films of Osamu Tezuka. A whole bunch of short animated works. Oh yeah, that's that's true. Those are great. Those are like the kind of mushy production, like you know, experimental stuff. Yeah, and I was like, I was hoping I get some of that same spirit in the in this when I, when I uh, first saw them. And, you know, and there were moments where you're seeing that that same mentality. The problem is that there's maybe like ten minutes of of that Tezuka in there. Yeah, there are these certain kind of moments where you get these cutaways to really beautiful. Um, background art and it's kind of like this very lyrical thing where it forgets for a second that you're in this like goofy sci-fi adventure movie uh those scenes are are really really nice and and they kind of like there's a certain element to tezuka's artwork from this 
period and i think just in general his his anime work that is like more feels more informed by some western animation than by anime especially when you look at like background art and just the sort of general art style of things <clears throat> ignoring kind of like his very distinctive character art right like that sticks out the sort of like bulbous uh shapes and things so those scenes are are pretty beautiful uh, but yeah there's nothing approaching like the you know those those uh shorts things like uh tales from a certain street corner uh which is like very much kind of it looks like a like a piece of european animation or something and certainly let's just i haven't i didn't mention this earlier let's just like get out of the way this is not anything close to something like belladonna of sadness or you or even like um like cleopatra right which is also like i mean different but very very weird this is like this is this is the other side of the Tezuka coin, right? Like when he founded Mushi Productions, he was his like plan was to make stuff like Astro Boy and use it to subsidize the cool, weird experimental stuff. And this is definitely the like stuff that's doing the subsidizing, right? This is like Tezuka for the masses, you know, doing you know doing the the crowd pleasing stuff, playing the hits. That's a good, that's an interesting way of putting it, because I, I, I also think that maybe, you know, because of the TV special, he has, you know, known for his limited budgets and those things. You know, like, I, what number did he give them to make this special? Right, but it, but you just can't, you can't deliver something weird when you're doing, like, the NTV special. No, like, you, yeah, when you're doing a major, you know, big production thing that's supposed to be mass market. And he's also, like, he's later in his career here, right? Like, this is not, this isn't Tezuka doing his like weird experiments this is tezuka who's a household name where all these characters are really popular and you know he's just he's not gonna like deliver like all right here it is my my follow my spiritual successor to tales from a certain street corner <laughs> like but maybe he was thinking that though because you get those flashes of him talking about you know people in conflict and and those montages are there like was that what he was really working on and there's the stuff that he had to build around it yeah maybe i mean those things are cool right so there's a there's a montage that's very cartoony that's used a couple times in it which is is pretty cool and it shows kind of like the human history of conflict and stuff uh, and then there's another one that is beautiful that's kind of um much more real like realist in terms of kind of proportions and motion, but it has like a, a very simplified, almost like cutout looking art style. That that stuff is great. Yeah, like like when it's this kind of rumination on human history, it's pretty cool. And I kind of wish I would I just got that <laughs> as like a short. When it's not him doing character work in these, that's when this movie's at its best. There's like two again. Like those really two good moments that stand out, and you would show to someone. I do think though, while we're talking about that, the as as dumb as a lot of this movie is there are certain kind of themes and ideas in it like tezuka was a big idea guy you know he had a lot of like kind of esoteric ideas about the the um the human condition and stuff and and, and he you know would incorporate these elements of like his his buddhist beliefs into his work so this does have a, a pretty interesting like you know like you said a focus on peace it's like this strictly pacifistic alien race and Bander is sent out into space with a rule that's like, whatever you do, do not kill, right? That's like the way that they live, which doesn't really get tested quite as much as I'd expect. It's like once or twice where someone tests him on it. But uh, I think there's there's this interesting idea of like humanity as the bad guys, right? Like like the universe is not is not warlike, but we are, and we are uh, 
we're the ones causing trouble in in space, you know? Yeah, humans have invaded all of these planets that they're visiting. It's it's like an it's an inversion, right? It's like the humans are the alien invaders. It's it's like the other way around. I think that it's obviously been done before, but I think the closest thing I feel to me is like like old Star Trek, like the original series of Star Trek, in that way of like these big ideas, sometimes half baked, but you still kind of appreciate what it's doing. Yeah, and it does a thing that I think uh, is. It it's goofy. It does a thing that I don't like, but but it it ends up on a somewhat interesting idea, which is like the the end, the kind of like supposed to be, I guess, one of the big twists at the end of the movie, is that the reason why humanity is so warlike is because this is so strange. Uh, the three eyed one kid uh, did something to capture the universe's fear into a bunch of vats of fear. It's like fear gas. And someone steals it and then crashes his ship into Earth after going through a wormhole. But what's that? The wormhole took them thousands, a million years, something into the past. And so what they did is they spread the fear gas over prehistoric Earth. And that's why humans uh, evolved to be so fearful and warlike. I mean, it's kind of, again, like a neat, you know, Tezuka likes to do these very big ideas about you know the history of human civilization and it's kind of neat uh would have been better if maybe the movie was about that instead of that being one section for about five minutes near the end it should have been like that could have been the first scene of a movie right (laughs) or it could have been a movie about like discovering where this thing came from and just figuring out it was us all along we did it through the time slip it was always our fear that came from nothing there's a million ideas that are like being thrown around and he's like hey what about this one is this one cool and it's like yeah i guess Uh, okay oh but you have another idea now all right (laughs) i mean that's 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 the problem with this that it keeps jumping with all these like modestly cool ideas like, humans being these villains that they've kind of abandoned themselves. Humans have been abandoned themselves to a computer. We find out at the end. Like it keeps piling on these things that are, that Tesla was angry about or upset about. Yeah, yeah. I did want to note, though, uh, there was one kind of star system-y thing I did notice. I don't know if this is intentional or not, but I feel like it usually is with Tezuka. Uh Blackjack, you know, enters that, uh, you know, with uh, with Bander, they, they go to the, the computer room. You mentioned the, like, computer that runs the whole that runs the earth that you know humans have given themselves over to and they have to destroy it it's called like mother right is the name of the computer Mm -hmm. it looks a little bit similar to the uh at least as far as i remember to the supercomputer that blackjack has to save the life of in in a blackjack chapter uh even like the configuration of the room looks kind of similar so that might have been an intentional thing where it's like you know, now Blackjack has to destroy this computer instead of uh, instead of save it. I guess I wouldn't say that's intentional. He's that wouldn't be a mistake like that. Although I'm not sure when that came out. I, I'm, the problem I don't know Tezuka's like timeline of production. Oh yeah, right. Because I, I'm not sure if Blackjack was still running at this point. Then yeah, he's still a prominent character. You know, he wouldn't be the you know one of the main characters in the film. I was, it was running though. It was seven. It was like, yeah seventy three to eighty three. Okay, yeah. So it, it's possible that the it could be the other way around, right? It could be that the the blackjack chapter came after this movie. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about the horror planet and just like the the planets that kind of have like weird. I almost thought it was going to be movie themed for the beginning of it because he he goes to like a western themed planet. 
that uh, basically looks like Tezuka is just doing Leiji Matsumoto for about 10 minutes. And then I think on the same planet, they're like, all right, now we're we're at this castle. And I, I guess I just expected that it was going to be like alien fortress. But no, it is literally just a castle from a horror movie. And it's got Dracula in it. And oh, I forgot. There is this another star system character. This one's cool. Uh, Professor Ochanamizu, the nice professor from Astro Boy, plays basically Igor in this this uh, this like monster movie castle. That was probably the big one we missed then. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. He plays like this kind of gnarled looking henchman guy. But yeah, uh, there's Dracula in this. It's not explained why there's Dracula. What? <laughs> just I don't get it. <laughs> There's like a mummy. There's like a bunch of monster movie characters, and then we're just like zip off to another planet. Because he hadn't even he hadn't even started the Don Dracula manga yet. Oh yeah, that's right, Don Dracula. Yes, is it Don Dracula? It's not though. It's just another. It's like a different design. It's a different Dracula. Because Don Dracula is a little more cartoony. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't read Don Dracula. I don't really remember what he looks like. So I've only seen him in other like again as a Star System character. Uh, yeah. I mean, that stuff is like this is the kind of thing that's probably. I don't know if you have well you can't hang out with your friends anymore but uh if you had like friends who are Tezuka fans this is the sort of thing you could like put on and just like just it's goofy you don't really have to pay attention to it you're just like what is going on now what's Bander doing what Blackjack is here Blackjack is his brother okay oh, we didn't even go into that whole like the these several siblings that they've had that they don't remember <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 uh or the or uh the the fact that uh there's a scene where Blackjack tells him to like not get out of the time machine. There's a time machine in this, of course, uh, that is just ex- hand waved. Like, yeah, I've been saving up to buy a time machine. <laughs> time machines exist, and you could just buy one. It's in the Sears catalog. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, don't step out of the time machine. You, you. There's like a single timeline, and you might cause yourself to not exist. And then Bander does some stuff that would clearly cause a change in the timeline and blackjack says see time the the future can't be changed it's like I, you just said five minutes ago the opposite of that time travel rules are always fluid it's fine yeah yeah anyway what was i saying about blackjack uh oh yeah it's just this is a fun movie to watch like to just have on like this is you know what this is good for if you're hanging out with like weirdo old anime fans like us uh this is like uh put it on the thursday at otakon in the hotel room movie yeah this is this is a good this is good for that space yeah it's just like you have it on in your hotel room you're hanging out you know you're you're at the con and it's just like something for everybody to watch while they eat snacks or whatever and uh, and or like just play animal crossing or something <laughs> yeah so but before the next digital convention the thursday before that put this on your discord yeah exactly right 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 <laughs> hang out and when yeah do a virtual version of it so yeah, I think that's maybe my my final thoughts are uh, not very good. A lot of interesting ideas. Uh, Tezuka anime is very hit and miss. That's that's kind of where I land on this. Uh, there's a kind of limited set of things I think that that turned out really good where Tezuka was directly involved, but there are cool things that were made by like Mushi or Tezuka Productions when he kind of let the people under him do their thing like like belladonna of sadness is a good example oh and stuff that like you said his experimental stuff but when it's kind of tezuka like trying to do crowd-pleasing anime stuff i I feel like it often does not work out very well i mean i I think tezuka's like highest highs in manga are incredible like some of the best of you'll find but his his, his anime high is a much lower point yeah don't don't let this turn you off of reading tezuka manga please (laughs) 
Like, pick up... Like, if you can still find any of those good old vertical hardcovers, just go get them. They're worth any of them. They're all worth getting. His anime output is, um, dodgy. All right, we have one one question here uh, from, I think, a friend of, friend of both of us, friend of the show, Elliot Page on Twitter. Why does Blackjack have... <laughs> this is not a real question. Why does Blackjack have such garbage trigger discipline? Uh, because in the image, Blackjack is holding a gun. I don't think we mentioned that. Blackjack has a gun in this movie. It, it really doesn't play in that much. It's just funny because you never see Blackjack with a gun. Um, and it's like a like a space laser gun. Blackjack has bad trigger discipline. Um, why? I don't know. I mean, he's a... He's a what does he call himself? Space gangster? He's a space gangster, but <laughs> you don't find... That's like... <laughs> the second time you see him or third time you see him because the first time you see him you think he's part of the earth military or something yeah i think he, i think in the first scene he does say he's a space gangster and he's like i'm just here for the money which is i guess like a similarity with with real blackjack is that he like charges a lot of money right but he has like stormtrooper with him he does but he's not dressed like them of course he's just dressed like dr blackjack which would have been cool if like, someone took off their mask and it was blackjack <laughs> they're all blackjack oh no you were saying if one of them did yeah or if they all were i don't care <laughs> like just like little quirky ways to improve that changes it up a little bit also the poster has him is much more on model to what you'd expect yeah yeah i mean i'll say he has bad trigger discipline because if we're playing into the star system like blackjack the actor he's like really good at pretending to hold a scalpel but not pretending to hold a gun you know, he hasn't been trained in that. He's, he's definitely a difficult actor to work with, and he'll, he'll do what he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's temperamental. Wouldn't use a costume. I will say it would be... Yeah, that's... Yeah, he demands. He always has to be in his specific costume. I will say uh, it would have been funnier if Tezuka committed to just, like, making Blackjack seem out of place and had him dressed in his, like, surgery uniform for the whole movie. Like, he's wearing the mask and everything. That would have been a little more impressive. With no explanation. Like, he's just hanging out with the stormtroopers and he's dressed like a surgeon and no one asks him about it. They're just like, oh, that's his, that's his, yeah. Like, every, everyone's dressed weird. It's space. No one asks anyone about any outfit in this whole thing. <laughs> There's a lot of cool outfits and, like, weird outfits. I think Bander's outfit is cool. I like Bander's design. He's got, like, big, fiery red hair. Yeah, he's, he's again, like, the, desi- like t- the design of this is, is, is fun. Like, all the aliens kind of look cool. You get distinct worlds, but it didn't quite ever get, it's not fully baked. It's a mess. It's, uh, as I said before the show, it's a train wreck, and we aren't even talking about Marine Express. All right, that's it for the review and for the questions. We didn't get any patron questions or any other questions other than Elliot's joke question about the poster. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone has seen this before to have a reasonable question. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I don't you don't learn anything about it. This poster tells you nothing about it. There are two spaceships, two men, and a cat creature or dog creature or something. We didn't even... Met, I, I didn't talk about the cat creature, but it's it's good. It's actually one of the better parts. She, she's kind of cute. She does, like... She shape shifts into all sorts of stuff. She kind of wiggles along the ground like a slug sometimes, which is cute. It's it's the, it's neat movement, and you and you want that when you have these alien creatures. But again, the the movie's very horny for her. Oh yeah, that part's not good. It's a horny for a lot of different animals and things, as we mentioned. So be prepared, or be like, or look forward to it. I guess if that's your thing. Twenty twenty is the year of the furry. So live your best life. This is not living your best life. You have you have better furry <laughs> animal you can watch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I think I mentioned just before we head to the outro here, I mentioned, I think at the top, but just to mention again, if you actually do want to watch this in your Discord before your virtual anime convention, it's on Retro Crush, which is a pretty cool service that I uh, i don't think we've talked about much on the show, but they've got a lot of cool old stuff that I have been meaning to watch and I just keep not doing it because there keeps being new anime 
and I'm like, man, I should not watch this new anime and then go back and watch old stuff instead. Look, I need to watch 80 Police Files still. Mm, there's, there's a shit ton of stuff on Retro Crush I need to watch. So uh, props to them for getting it out there. It's a pile of stuff I will never watch or intend to. It goes with the, all those Blu-rays that I bought that I intend to watch and haven't gotten to. All right. So anyway, that's it for us. Before we head out, Vinny, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me if they want to hear my um, twit, my Twittering. It's uh, VinnyAvAGC. And if you want to hear the podcast I do with my co-host Diego, it's at allgeeksconsidered.com. We put out an episode about once a month. Uh, there's probably going to try to catch up and get through my editing backlog, though, so you might have a little more. If you haven't listened to them, I also recommend you check out Vinny's uh, episodes where he guested on Old Talker No Radio, our sister show. Uh, if you can, Diego and I both were on for the Record of the Lodos War podcast. We got a full four-member D&D party for that uh, episode, and I was on for the Geo Tokyo Fish Attack God uh, damn it. Fuck. I, co- I only come onto this network to talk about movies that don't make sense. Ah, uh, yo, I watched that in the theater. Oh, my God. Were we in the same room then? <laughs> we might have watched it. It was like a New York screening. We might have It was a New York there. Film Festival or something, or a New York Asian Film Festival, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm having Again, flashbacks. Again, perfect movies for your pre-con Discord. Oh, yeah, that, absolutely. Gyo is, Gyo, Gyo is a, an experience for sure. Um, as for me, I sometimes write for Otaku USA Magazine and Anime News Network. I have animeburgertime.tumblr.com, very rarely updated burger blog. Uh, we have a Patreon for Annie Gamers. Uh, smart, cool people like Vinny are members of it. Support us on patreon.com slash Gamers to get into the priority question list. Uh, and access bonus articles and podcasts. We recently, I think I mentioned this before, uh, didn't I? Did an interview with um, with Janice Chan, the uh, the concept designer for BNA, and we've got some other cool stuff uh, coming up from both Annie Gamers Podcast and Otaku No Radio. And uh, there is, of course, the Golden Ticket benefit where you can force us to review something. Uh, you get one use. One if you, if you subscribe for at least five dollars, you get one ticket, and you can use it to force us to review something. So uh, that is a pretty good reason to subscribe, I would say. You can check out show notes, blog posts, and a link to the official Annie Gamers Discord on AnnieGamers.com. Email us questions, responses, and topic suggestions anytime you want at podcast at AnnieGamers.com. We'll read them on the show. Or talk to us on Twitter. I'm at sign Vemptvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. Annie Gamers is at sign Annie Gamers, one word. I'm on Mastodon at vamptvo at mastodon.social. Got a post down there again. Uh, kind of got out of the habit of that. And finally, episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Google Music no longer has podcasts. I don't know. Can't keep up with the Googles these days. And uh, we could always use more reviews to help people find the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Vinny, for making me watch this movie, even though it wasn't great. But it was, uh, it was actually maybe more fun to talk about than to watch. So... I am enjoying it more having done a podcast on it. It's up there with like, um, yeah, Madball 34 is best when podcasting. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, Vinny. Thanks, everybody. Uh, We'll see you all in about two weeks. Later. Later.